Welcome to the Good People Podcast, where each episode we explore what it means to be good by talking to everyday heroes, philanthropists, and altruists, and do-gooders. I'm Kelsey Timmerman. All right, I'm here with my buddy Jay Mormon. Jay, how's it going today? Good, Kelsey. How are drinking, you? So what are we drinking today? Gumball head. After you treated me to some... Kentucky uh, breakfast stout. That's yeah, what we started. That was with. pretty special. Yeah, that we should good. have been talking during that part, probably. Yeah, we're on to our next. Well, video. you know that's what I like about doing this. It's I feel like it, these are conversations that we have when we're just like yeah. having beers with each other too, yeah. right? And if bars weren't so noisy, we could go out to one of the local yeah. places and sample a few. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But here we are. Yep. So today um, we're we're not gonna have a guest on uh, this episode, and we're gonna try to pepper in some episodes where just the two of us chatting as if we were at. A bar. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, we're at your, the bar at your house. That's what yes, we're at right, right now. Sure. So to kick things off, um, what is, do you feel like is like the most extravagant thing that you purchased recently that seemed, it seemed to be excessive? Like you spent an amount of money that you really wouldn't want to tell someone that maybe mm. you spent that much money on that thing. Yeah. Of course. Yeah, that's that's one of those things we all know we're doing it when we do it right. Yeah, so I was in uh, Louisville visiting family and my, my brother-in-law, Greg, uh, and, and he'll uh, love to hear I'm giving him credit for it, uh, said, hey, Angel's Envy Rye, which is a bourbon. Oh, oh wow. Um, you know, Angel's Envy is based in Louisville. And he said, but they have this rye out that's an unusual um Unusual release. Well, that's so funny because I imagine him as like the devil on your shoulder, and he's called Greg, Angels. He, he, Greg kind of is that, yeah. So, so I went over to uh, I went over to the place, the, the liquor store that's close to my mother in law's house, and I said, "Where, uh, where is this uh, bourbon?" So I went and looked and found it, and it was 110 bucks. Wow. Yeah. Now it's not it's not a it's not a jug. <laughs> It is just a normal bottle of bourbon, right? So you can't so play music with it when you're done. You can't play music with it. You can't do much with it. Um, <coughs> and uh, But it was so good, I got it. And I remember my wife even saw the receipt. She's like, oh my, $110 for a bottle of yeah. bourbon. Um, so yeah, I uh, I bought it anyway, and it sits downstairs in my bar, and I've had some of it. And it is fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, but it is one of those things that, you know, I spend, thir- you know, uh, Buffalo Trace. When I buy bourbon, I get Buffalo Trace. It's you know, it's thirty-two bucks. Yeah. So I spent one hundred and ten dollars mm-hmm. on something that seems unnecessary. Yeah. And I mean, do you actually do you actually need bourbon in our lives? Maybe. I mean, you some a, days. You have a pretty stressful <laughs> job, <laughs> yeah. right? Like, some days to travel but, a lot. But in mm-hmm. actuality, no. Of course you don't. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. And the funny thing is about it, it is nearly full. And do you know why it's nearly full? Because I spent one hundred and ten dollars yeah, on yeah, it. Yeah, and I just have it every once in a while. Not, just, you're hoarding it. Right. I'm not drinking. Right, because I spent It's like drinking it. gold. Yeah, which is, which makes sense, but kind of stupid at the same time, because I spent money on it. Yeah. I feel like I should hold on to well, it. Well, even today's beer that we started with yeah. was one that you'd saved, right? You don't, mm-hmm. like, you said you weren't going to crack open another one today. So no, I, I see where our only, friendship stands. You only deserve one. One special, one special beer. Yes, yes. Well, I have friends that say, hey, they've got this uh, special release of this whatever beer at the liquor store. Go pick one up. It's behind the counter. You have to ask for it. Uh, And I save those. Because they're also, you know, you get a bomber of beer for 40 bucks. And it's it's more than you might spend on a pack of Miller Lite. What's a bomber? 
A bomber is like the size down from a growler. Okay. Right. So what we drank was forty dollars. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. So I now feel a lot more special now. You're, yeah. You're right? part. You're part of the problem. That was, <laughs> that was forty dollars. It was. We split a beer. So you only drank twenty of them. Two pints of beer is forty dollars. Correct. Wow. That's like that's like Wall Street prices it for is. beer. It is. Mm. Yeah. Well, thank are you, you. Are you trying to make me feel guilty? No, I, I enjoyed it. Well, I can make myself feel pretty guilty, too. Uh, so I, you kind of know this story a little bit, because among our circle of friends, it's a bit of a, a joke about my pants. Yes. Yeah. You better explain that. Though. Yeah. So, um, you know, so my first book was Where Am I Wearing, where I went to different places, clothes were made to meet the people who made them. Right. So in the course of that, writing that book, not in the course, but afterwards... Uh, people started to send me free clothes, right? So there was, to some extent, like, it was like these ethical clothing companies. And to some extent, there was, like, maybe a bit of, like, entitlement of mine that I, like, people would just send me clothes, right? Yeah. yeah. So I was uh, speaking at uh, Peace College in Raleigh, North Carolina. Okay. And there's a company called Raleigh Denim that uses raw denim, I actually don't even know what raw denim is versus yeah, is it like, off the tree? like what is baked raw denim? denim or like grilled denim. I don't know. <laughs> but I, so I heard about this company for years and I thought they make, they, they, make, they make them there. You can see the people making them and then you, the smallest section is the retail part of it and you can buy the jeans oh, there. Yeah, cool. So I had a break and I uh, asked the person who was showing me around if we could go to Raleigh Denim because it was pretty close. So we walk into the Raleigh Denim store, and there's the people making them, you know, making American wages in North Carolina, where they're sourcing the cotton from. And I'm kind of thinking in the back of my head, if I go to this place, they'll, like, give me a free <laughs> pair of jeans, right? This is horrible. Classic. This is, this classic, is, Kelsey. Give me something for free. Yeah, it's like, you know, it's the art of the mooch. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I'm gonna, I should write that book. Yeah. That's the, your next. That's the, the fourth art, book. The art of the mooch. So that's what I'm thinking. That I'm going in here, I'll ask around, and all of a sudden they'll be like, hey, yeah, where am I wearing? Here's a free pair of pants. So um, and I'm talking with someone, and it's not really moving the direction where I'm going to get a free pair of pants. And so I try on a pair of pants, and then, you know, I'm like, oh, let me think. And I'm, I'm expecting that the, the offer will come. It's not coming. And then, and then they're like, I'm like, well, how much are these? Because it's kind of like, you know, like a nice fancy restaurant where there's not prices on things. And that means it's really expensive. Yes. Where price doesn't matter because the quality is so great, like yeah. whatever. So uh, I end up having to buy a pair of these damn pants. And oh, that's great. I ask how much it costs, and I, the the myth of these pants has grown. I think it was like three or four hundred dollars, which I feel like is a shit ton of money. That's a lot of money for a pair of pants. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like anything over like fifty bucks for a pair of pants. Yeah, you know, o over a hundred dollars. Yeah. That's like I mean, you can be perfectly fine. Even on them. Gap with the coupon, it's less than $50. yeah, right. Yeah. So, but what am I supposed to do? I'm the guy that wrote the book about where things come from. I care about these things. There's the people making them. Mm -hmm. Here I am. I feel like I'm having to buy these pants. So I buy the pants. And as soon as I buy them, I'm like, oh shit, how am I going to tell Annie, my <laughs> wife, about how am I going to tell Annie 
that I bought these pants and that she are has, $400. And she has never forgiven you for that. No. And, and, and to make you better, they're pants that can't, they're not supposed to be washed. You're supposed to put them in like the freezer or something. And I don't know that I've ever seen you wear them. Have you ever worn them out yeah, with I, us as I a group? Wear them sometimes. Yeah. Four hundred dollars worth of wear them. Well, I put I put them on and I actually wore them to go and speak. Well, let me back up a little bit. So we they have to make the adjustments to the pants. So I buy, I buy the pants, I leave, get a coffee, and then I come back and the, I'm trying on the pants and they're raw denim, whatever that means, and they are so stinking tight i bought the pants and i'm going to go speak and i like to wear things that are examples so i can tell the audience like these are things that you can incorporate in your life right and in your first book were all things that you wore yeah right so i could point to the pants and say and you could buy these right of course i mean they were college students like yeah they, they probably shouldn't be buying no one should maybe i don't know Buy $400. $400. I certainly shouldn't be buying. So, uh, so I put them on, and I'm I'm uh, being driven to this event by my host, and I'm like, how am I gonna tell Annie? And then I get a phone call from Annie saying, "Did you just buy a pair of pants for four hundred dollars?" Because she was watching her bank account. The credit card company called her. It was so out of the ordinary. Yeah, that is great. The credit card company's like, you were busted. Oh, like instantly. Yeah. Yeah, instantly. So then I have to wear, you know, then I get, the, I go to speak at the event and I feel all guilty for a $400 pair of pants. But, and, and you know, I, I wear them. I think Annie has eventually, she's washed them since then. Like she even, I, I was it not, denim. I was not allowed them to be washed, but yeah. then she just like yeah. was grossed out by it. So they. Yeah. Have been washed. So four hundred dollar pair of pants I could not wash. So is that unethical? Does a good person wear a four hundred dollar pair yeah. of pants? Well, and I think this is we all we all face this question. And and I would bet for a lot of people <clears throat> that question comes up more watching other people than it does watching themselves. Yes, yeah, for sure. Right? Yep. Because gosh. They always have new cars, or they really spend money on this, or they spend money on that, and you know everybody spends money in some way. But the the question is, is what what of that should you control, and what amount of that is is ethical consumption? Yeah. And that's a really hard line to draw. Did did I? So if I'd have bought a bottle of Buffalo Trace for you know seventy dollars less. Than what I spent. What could I have done with that seventy dollars? Yeah. Do you have? I mean, what would I have done with seventy dollars? What could you have done with the three hundred and fifty dollars net? Oh wow! Yeah. I, I mean, mean, are there? Do you have examples of? I mean, what would you have done with that money? What could you do? With yeah. That I mean, you could. Uh, so right now, I'm helping uh, Rosie, who I wrote about, and yeah. where am I giving? Yeah. She's in Kenya. She lives in the most violent slum in Kenya. Uh, I'm helping put her through school, and that's about how much I've given her for a semester of school mm. for this amazing woman that has so much potential and is a leader in her community already. Right. And so, yeah, that's the kind of thing yeah. that you wrestle with. You're growing her future for the cost of a overpriced yeah. pair of jeans. Yeah, you know, there's a, a guy in Kenya who... And it, Kenya is really easy to give money to because they have something called M-Pesa. And, and I have an app on my phone where I can directly send money mm. to Rosie right now. And it will get to her 
instantly or, or my friend Collins and I sent 15 bucks to Collins one day I was just th- I was writing about him sent him 15 bucks and he's like thanks I'll be able to eat for the next month it's like what wow you know so the yeah. and so a lot of this thinking for me started when I came across um, a philosopher named Peter Singer right. and he has an amazing book called The Life You Can't Save and he's been using this example about a child drowning in a pond. Okay. And and to me it's pretty foundational for anyone who's thinking about their impact and and what is wrestling with the things that we're just talking about. Yeah. Is it ethical to spend four hundred dollars on pants, hundred and ten dollars what was it? Hundred and ten dollars on bourbon. Yeah. Um you know, is is that ethical? And so I want to walk you walk you through this okay. um, right. example. So let's say that um, you're going to work. Is there a detention pond or is there a pond near where you work? Is there? There's a river. Oh, there's a river. Oh, there's a river. Maybe right that's... out the back door, yeah. Yeah. Let's say it's even less imposing than a river and you have a small, shallow pond that you okay. could wade into easily. Easily. Okay. Without any risk. So not the river because, you know, it's the white, I mean, the white river. Just to step foot in that thing, the pollution alone. It's dangerous. <laughs> it, might be, it might be a little dangerous. So let's say you're walking into your office. And uh, you're you're dressed for a nice meeting. You're in like a, you're in a good suit, and you look and you see a kid drowning in the pond. And it would be pretty easy for you to step in there and save this kid. What do you do? Well, of course, I think any rational person is going to say that they would go walk into the pond and pull this child out of the water. So you, right? let's say you have an, the important meetings coming up. You're going to miss the meeting. You're going to miss the meeting. Your clothes are going to be muddy. You're either going to have to go in there and, and, and be like, explain why you're muddy. Of course, you'd be like, I'm a hero. But, <laughs> yeah, I'd, <laughs> or take, you'd, I'd take credit. You'd have to go home yeah. and like change your clothes. You'd miss, let's say you'd miss the meeting. I, I mean, it's a child, right? I mean, Picture one of yours or one of mine yeah. in their younger years. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so I, I think it's worth it, right? I think everyone who's listening can agree that it is worth the, the, the inconvenience of having to go and wash, have your suit dry cleaned or the expense of that to yeah. save this child's life. So yeah. are you obligated to do so? If you don't do so, well, someone like you should have done that. Of course, yes. Uh, well, and I... I would think, I would think socially that, that I mean, part of that is the social pressure of you have to yeah. do something about that. And if there were a group of people standing around, yeah. um, that everyone in that group would believe that was the right thing to so do. So if, if you walked away, would it be immoral? Just turn your back and yes, walk away? Yes, absolutely. For sure. So let's say there is a group of people. There's a group of people uh, of your coworkers. You all see the child. Are you less obligated to save the child? Wow, yeah, that 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 old. Uh, yeah, we we often say if no one owns a problem, or if everyone owns a problem, no one does. Yeah, um, you say that so, at your office. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, but no, I don't think you're any less. I would hope you're no less obligated, right? You you should everyone should be making the effort yeah. to go there, and you would think as a group, every individual would take a step forward yeah. rather than wait for someone else. I mean, there's something called like the bystander effect, right? I remember in my first aid classes in college, and I was working to become a scuba instructor, right. where they right. talk about like how sometimes if, if you're the only one there, you're more likely to jump to someone's yeah. like 
uh, rescue than if there's a bunch of people, they're less likely to someone to step to step forward. Right. Um, so let's say that you know obviously your actions can go in there. Can, they can definitely save that child's life, uh, and and you can do that. Now let's say that that child is on the other side of the globe, but yet your actions can mm-hmm. still save that child's life. Yeah. Are you just because you're not in proximity to that child, are you less obligated to save that child's life? Yeah, gosh, that's rough. This is, this is, that's, that's where it, I, I, I see where you're going. Yeah, that, uh, that's a lot harder. Uh, I mean, if, if you think about it in just plain logical terms, no, of course not. Yeah. Um, the challenges we've talked about in, in other other podcasts is the challenges, the activities it takes to actually do that. Um, but no, logically, of course, you've yeah. got to still do the same thing. And distance, distance or proximity doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. But that makes me very uncomfortable. Yeah, that question makes me uncomfortable. Yeah, that that it's a, it's, it can seem like a big leap, but I feel like it's not necessarily that big of a leap. Yeah. Um, so Singer points out, and this is where I think that that leap makes it challenging, right? So he points out that 27,000 children die a day of preventable diseases. Yeah. And often, um, you know, it's, it's our, our resources, our money, given effectively, can make, a, can save a life. And so the, his thoughts, which he first came up with like in the 70s uh, around this, have really, in the last decade, launched... Your, your beard's making me burp a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> has uh, launched a movement called Effective Altruism. Okay. And it's a, it's a more analytical way of looking at how we can effectively make it a positive difference on people and planet, right? Um, so the, one of the most... One of the darling organizations of effective altruism uh, is an organization called Against Malaria Fund. And and it's they've done the math and they've done the studies, like a very analytical approach, and the minimum amount of money that can be spent, the most effective way to spend a lo- to spend money to save a life is thirty four hundred dollars of malaria bed nets in um, uh, in Africa. Right hmm. in oh, what 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 country is it? In Kenya, there's a couple countries they work in. Uh, Malawi, that's what I was trying to think of. Malawi, thirty four hundred dollars. Thirty four hundred dollars then equates to definitively saving an, a life through preventing malaria through yeah. bed nets. They've given away so many bed nets. We've done the research that one life equals saved of thirty four hundred dollars of bed nets, and and I think this is. Kind of, it kind of challenging. I remember when I was listening to this, I was on my. I have a fairly good sized yard, which is a very American thing, right? I have a zero turn mower, mm-hmm. so it doesn't take me eight hours Did to mow my stupid yard. Did it cost you thirty four hundred dollars? It was more than. Th- I think I have payments on my mower. That's how irresponsible I am. Wow. Yeah, yeah. It, it's an expensive. You do have a big yard. Though, it's right? an expensive mower, right? Uh, it is my most valuable vehicle. <laughs> it's, it's, above the, it's worth above more the, than my cars. There you go. Got it. Okay. It's worth more than my Pontiac, yeah, right? Yep. 
Um, and I and I was listening to this, and I had read it before, but I was listening to the book again on audiobook uh, as I was mowing my yard, and we had just put in a, a three a, a four thousand dollar cement pad in our garage, and like it hit me of like, do I value a, a not a dirt garage floor more? Than like a child's life, and that's the questions that Singer would have us ask, and that is really uncomfortable. It is, it is, it really is. And you and I used both between the pants and the bourbon. They're not our biggest spends, right? I mean, yeah. Obviously, we spend so much more money on so many other things, um, from house payments to car payments. Um, to vacations, which vacation is a privilege in itself. Um, I never go on vacations. I well, spend all okay. my I just spend all my money on traveling by myself to read <laughs> yeah, that's true. books that your are family really doesn't go on vacation. Yeah. It's just your book vacation. Yeah, yeah, uh, but it, it it does it does make you think about and how do you operate day to day? So the the extreme example of that is you, me, Annie, Karen. Some of our other friends, we move into a shack somewhere, barely sustain ourselves so that we're warm in the winter, um, relatively sustainable, okay, in the summer, and sell our cars, ride bikes, um, you know, uh, uh, grow yeah. some, you know, grow some crops, feed some chickens, and thus reduce our spend and mm. spend the rest of our salaries. Now, we're not even talking about the business side of this, right? Yep. What could businesses do differently? But spend the rest of our salaries and the rest of the money that we earn just buying bed nets. Yeah. I mean, I could buy a lot of bed nets. You could buy a lot of bed oh, nets. Yeah. Our friends could buy a lot of bed nets. Yeah. And, and, and live a relatively calm, happy, yeah. safe life. We'd still have doctors. We can still go to the grocery mm -hmm. store. Um, why don't we do that? Yeah, I, mean, I think about you know cable for my a dish. I keep thinking I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna cancel it and I'm gonna give the hundred dollars a month I spend on my cable to a cause. That's twelve hundred dollars a year. Right. That's like a third of the way to like every three years I could save a life. Right. And and I but Game I, of Thrones is I know Game of Thrones is coming on. It's the a season finale. Right. <sighs> So I think these are the struggles. Um, you know, the thing is, like, our, our resources do go so much f uh, farther when they are giving to, to things like bed nets in Malawi. Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes they can be magnified by 100, the impact that they'll have. You know, I think we talked in an earlier podcasts that we give about 2% of our income mm -hmm. uh, as Americans away. But only, let's see, it's only like 5 6% of that 2% goes to global causes like bed nets. Goes to those causes where your impact can be multiplied by 100. So that's like each of us giving about $70 a year to help the most, you know, the, the most uh, impoverished people on the planet. Yeah. So the, the global thing is a good question. <clears throat> so... I, I know when, you know, everyone's different, of course, but I've heard that debate before is, you know, why should we spend globally? 
um, or why should we spend locally? In other words, mm-hmm. why would I help people in other countries rather than help people near me? Yep. Which I, I think there's there's certainly people near us that need help. I mean, you mentioned in um, uh, in where am I where am I giving about your kind of epiphanies about being a good local citizen. Yeah. Um, but that it does to. It does beg the question as to if you're going to spend that money, how do you spend that? This versus that, and yep. where is that one dollar going to make the most impact? Right. You know, I, I think that Peter Singer would say you can save more drowning children by giving globally because the impact is multiplied by a hundred. And right? is that why? Do you think that's why people do it so much? I mean, there's a lot of local churches that have. Um, overseas, um, yeah. you know, uh, connections and or sponsorships. Um, I know a lot of people in town that have pictures of kids from other countries yep. that they're sponsoring. Yep. They don't have a, they don't have a, you know, a, a, a kid from Union City they're sponsoring, mm. um, but they might have one from Haiti or yep. from, um, you know, some some other yeah. third world. Country. But still, the majority of our donations go to. I mean, the majority of it goes to religious institutions. Which who knows? I could build a big butter Jesus. I don't know if you've seen that big butter Jesus <laughs> off of seventy five. It, it seems got, like it seems like a waste of money. It got it does. It I got to be controversial. Yeah, it got struck by lightning and it burned. Did you know that? And then they built a new one. Well, there you go. Right. Um, so uh, I thought that's that about was, to be struck again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> After this podcast <laughs> drops, it'll be struck again. Um, so yeah, I, I think that still we do give more of our money um, locally than globally. So effective altruists like Peter Singer would say that we should focus all of our resources. And and I don't wholeheartedly, I love this example um, that Singer provides us. I think it's super challenging. Um, I don't necessarily always agree with, I don't buy in 100%. I feel like we do have these dual existences of local and global citizens and we shouldn't turn our back on any one of those roles and so i you know i come up with my own giving equation throughout where am i giving and i say give two percent globally and two percent locally and then give one percent of just like your slush money for giving right when people ask um yeah when people ask or for arts programs or things that aren't directly keeping people like alive or helping the most impoverished people in our community or right, right. or um, around the world. Um, another really good thing that they that comes up through Effective Altruism, there's a couple of good books I recommend. Life You Can Save by Peter Singer. It's a, it's a short read. Life You Can Save. The Life You Can Save. And he talks about, uh, he shares this pond example. And another one would be Doing Good Better by Will McCaskill. And I forget which book it was, but it talks about People have really taken it to the extreme, like you said, about living in a hut, living on $12,000 a year, or living on where they've taken the entire income of the planet and divided it by the, was there, 7 billion of us, of how much of that income is should be allowed to you, and living off of that, and then giving the rest of it away. So some people take it to extremes, and here's one example of extremes, and this is um, a kidney donation, right? So... How many kidneys do you have, Jay? Two, I think. Yeah, you have two, right? <laughs> so um, you're walking around with two healthy kin- kidneys. How many do you need to live on? One. Yeah, you just need the one, right? right? So having a so that there's this group of people who like, why I have an extra kidney? I could give this kidney 
away and there is a one in 4,000 chance of death from giving your kidney away. I was telling Annie about this and she's like, when I started researching more of my kidney, she's like, no, you're not giving your kidney. <laughs> you're not doing it. And I think it's because maybe she wanted my kidney. Probably. Yeah. Probably. She wants you to save it. Yeah. So one in 4,000. So an effective altruist would say if you decide to keep both of your kidneys, you are valuing, val, valuing your life um, 4,000 times more than wow. someone else's. Yeah. Yeah. And it seems like, yeah. So Singer takes everything from the perspective of it it, it purely is a math equation, basically, right? And and I don't think anybody could dispute the logic behind his his statements, right? Because those things are all true, right? And I think the pond example is the best one. It's just it it is hard in the day to day to make that choice when you don't see a kid struggling in water, right? Mm-hmm. So you don't see it, you don't yeah. know it, you've never met them. There are barriers to getting those solutions in place. So mm-hmm. you just keep on going with your life. Yeah. Right? It's it's a kind of a flaw of our heart trumping our heads that yeah. we don't think analytically. You know, I, I think of a I have a friend who has a very sick child and they've been so much support from the community and I am personally thankful that they've gotten such an outpouring of support but there again if you're Peter Singer if you're an effective altruist and you look at that like wow how many lives in Malawi could have been saved for the amount of support has been showered upon this family and just because we know the person because they're near us because they go to school with our kids, we care more about them. It's easier to hand over money. Yeah. And I've, I've given them money too. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and you can see it. You can touch it. You've, you, you see the situation. That is where I'm the most motivated. And I know you and I have talked about this. But I would love to have a place where I know I was handing it to people without them knowing where it was coming from. I would be much more likely to do that than to hand it to a kid in a pond in another country. Yeah. Um, <laughs> hey, drowning kid. Yeah. Here's I, a bunch of money. I mean, I <laughs> tread water. Fix your own pond. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't. I don't mean that. But yeah, that I will just tell you when it comes to actually handing over the cash yep. or something like yep. that. I always feel much more motivated and much more sacrificial. Like I would go further in if I could see it. Yeah. If I know it, if I could feel it, we talked about the the podcast about Haiti. We talked a little bit about that mm-hmm. and, and putting money into a place that I knew what I was touching, right? And the disappointment when it didn't do what I thought it was going to mm-hmm. do. Um, if I could give that to someone and do something with that that I knew was direct, I'm more likely yeah. to do it. So there's some if you're interested in uh, concepts of effective altruism, there's actually uh, several different websites that kind of belong to this umbrella of this okay. community. Okay, Effectivealtruism.org, I get that wrong, is, is, is one of them. Um, I feel like one of the best ones that rates different nonprofits, and each year they select the top ones. Mm. And this is the one that's like selected the Against Malaria uh, Fund or Foundation, I can't remember which it is. Um, and it's givewell.org. So they make recommendations. And like these are like triple blind, double, I don't even know the terms for it, like studies and yeah. um, 
So they recommend uh, them. Uh, one of the other ones that's been kind of been darling of the movement is an organization called Give Directly, where they just give money. Which you talk about that in the book. Yeah, they yeah. just give money to the of a uh, community, individuals living in a community who um, are in a community that is uh, at a certain poverty level. So not everyone that gets that money might not even be poor, but majority yeah. of people in that community are. Yeah. And they've done studies on that to see how effective that can be. Um, so that, that's Give Directly. Um, another great place is Singer actually has a website. Life, the Life You Can, Life you can Save is the book. LifeYouCanSave.org is the website. And he also makes recommendations. And they're very parallel, the GiveWell ones. But he also asks people to um, pledge to give a certain amount. So really? this is something I would love for you to do. So. Yeah. Go to lifeyoucansave.org okay. and you plug in your income and they'll tell and they'll tell you what percent of your income you should give. Wow. Yeah. So, like, you know, if you're making a poverty wage, it will not tell you really to give anything. So it is weighted in a way that's Wow, like, I need to do that. Yeah, that's fascinating. Yeah. So I think that would be really good for you to do. Yeah, yeah. Um, Probably make me feel very challenged. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah, uh, because you know they. He's very much up. If, if I think if, if the if the Western world gave two percent, if we all gave two percent of our income, we would end so many of these preventable diseases. Mm. Uh, but we're not all doing that. So to I mean the Americans maybe are, but we're not giving. We're not focusing that on those things, right? Right. So if we all gave two percent to these. These preventable deaths, um, the Western world, all collectively, then we could eradicate some of these diseases and and save these lives. But we're not necessarily we're not doing that. Uh, doing that. So we he would suggest that then we have to more than make up mm-hmm. for the other people. So he, I, I would be fascinated to see like here like what percent. You don't have to tell yeah. me the percent, but just to look at it, I'm like oh boy, that would be a lifestyle changing amount of money. Yeah. To give away those causes, yeah. um, so and I, all the listeners go and and check that out. Uh, I think if you make like fifty thousand dollars a year or more, he might say around like that two percent, right? Yeah. But it, it yeah. goes up yeah. Um, yeah. from there. So, so um, back to my pants. You know, right. I, I think about I think about Collins and, and being able to eat for a month. I think about Rosie. You can go to school for. Or Collins can eat for half a year practically, and Rosie for a semester can go to school for a semester for my pair of pants. And how should we feel about that? And I don't necessarily think I don't want to make people feel guilty. I feel like guilt is not like useful, but I think these are questions that we all need to be wrestling with. Is my garage floor worth it? You know, is yeah. my pants. Worth do you, do you think the best start to that is is to contemplate and be mindful of those decisions? Because um, I don't know that you or I could say, "Look, you need to go live in a hut." Yeah, I don't want to live in a hut, Jay. But it is. I don't want to. Anyone? I don't me. know what to live in a hut with you and Andy. Anyone leave me? That doesn't sound great. Um, but isn't that part of what you would ask? Is that people contemplate those decisions and contemplate the money they spend? Yeah, um, it's all relative. But it's it, it, at some point you 
if you're not conscious of what you're spending, yeah. then you're not caring. To be more aware of it, and then also to be more intentional about the responsibility that comes with it and how we're going to give, right? I think Singer sets a high bar for us to, like a high uncomfortable bar. Yeah, I, th I think we need to be more aware of what we're spending money on, the impact that money can make, and the responsibility that comes with it to to give more. Right. Um, and I think that's, that's the least we all can do. Yeah. You know, go to lifeyoucansave.org, um, enter your income into that formula, see how that makes you feel when you see that percentage and that number, and then you know, that's the first step. And then yeah. you can kind of just be more intentional and maybe you can give more, but it can also drive you crazy. Um, you know, I, I've seen, I've had, I've had friends that are like, um, just really stressed out about like a new uh, cabinets in their kitchen and like, I don't think we should be stressed out about that kind of stuff and I think that having these conversations can kind of free you up some from it's okay to have new cabinets yeah. in your kitchen but it's not the the earth shattering stressful event right. that some of us make it out to be when we're connected with more of these causes and more of the realities that people face I think it can bring us more of that perspective that uh, enhances our life and gives us a chance to be connected and, and to make a difference in other people's lives. Right, and maybe some peace. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I think giving inspires giving. Um, you know, our generosity can act as an example for others. Um, and I think we should talk about it. And maybe this is a whole episode, but I think that we should talk about how we give more than than how we consume because we do that we talk about more how we consume oh here's a picture of my new car you know here's a picture of my 400 hundred dollar pants which i am embarrassed by you didn't put that on instagram no no uh, uh, and to some, some extent i think it's all relative right it's relative depending on like bill gates look at the amount of good that he's done in the world uh, he he couldn't even give all his money away. He probably doesn't even. Yeah, but but we do socially post and make ourselves socially aware more about what we've spent and what we have than we do what we give. And and while I think it would it would wear on me if people posted, hey, I just gave a thousand dollars to United Way or I gave a thousand dollars to, you know, to uh, whatever. Even if I gave thirty two hundred dollars to malaria nets. Yeah. Um, I would feel like someone was bragging, yeah. but we do it all the time on material things. Right? Even if you did it in a way that was just like, I'm supporting this cause, not necessarily putting a dollar amount on it, which gives yeah. you a certain level of, whoa. Yeah, sure. Well, well, and it's, it's my point is just that we do it for material things, but how much better would yeah. it be if we challenged each other from a giving money to proper causes? Yeah. Um, That'd be a great switch. I mean, to wrap, to wrap things up here, we started off talking about things that we consume. And I think that we should be um, less humble about our giving than our consuming. Because I think we have that backwards. Wow. Yeah. That's a great idea. High five. High five. See you, Kelsey. See you. Thanks for listening to the Good People Podcast. Special thanks to my friend Jay Mormon for co-hosting and to Cliff Ritchie for the great tunes. You can listen to Cliff on Spotify or find him at cliffritchieart.com. 
Let's keep the good going. Please share, rate, and subscribe. We'd love to hear from you. Visit KelseyTimmerman.com slash goodpeople to find show notes, suggest guests, learn more about my books, and tell us about the good you are doing in the world. Cry.